All right, take your Bible uh, this morning. John chapter 4 is where we're going to be. We're going to finish our little two-week mini-series called The Must of Multiplying Ministry. And as you're turning to John 4, let me remind you that we're, we're kind of early in Jesus's ministry. Uh, Jesus is preaching and teaching in different places. We're tracking his movement through the book of John. John's gospel specifically is written not to have an exhaustive history or an exhaustive account of Jesus's ministry, but it is given specific, uh, specific stories, select stories, select signs and wonders so that people that read John's gospel can believe that Christ is the Son of God. So, so if I were to say, man, uh, you know, what is the main point of John's gospel? Well, it is to present Christ as the Son of God so that you believe. So, so in other words, God gave us a gospel. And listen, you ought to believe all of God's word, but especially the book of John Man, that the end result of your understanding of these scriptures is that you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, not just for salvation, but even for the rest of your life for your sanctification, because He is God in the flesh. And so, and so man, as we talk about John chapter 4, we're, we're studying this passage on the Samaritan woman, the woman at the well. And, and just historically speaking, as we get to John 4, John 4 comes after John chapter 3. Okay, I'm just uh, making sure the coffee started working in your, in your mind this morning. And so in John chapter 3, Jesus' disciples began to baptize more people than John the Baptist's. And that's really important because John the Baptist was sent as, a, as the forerunner, if you will, of Jesus Christ. And, 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 and in John chapter 4 and verse 1, it says, When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and, and baptized more disciples than John... Though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, he left Judea and departed into Galilee. And so, and so when we get into John 4, we just need to know that it's because there was some opposition from the religious leaders. They, they were upset that, that Jesus' disciples were baptizing more than John the Baptist. In other words, and, and when you read John 3, John the Baptist says, he must increase, I must decrease, right? There's a transition for that ministry to the nation of Israel through Christ and his disciples. And John, you know, so to speak, man, he, he realizes that Christ is the Messiah. He is the promised one. And so that's where we're at in John chapter 4. Also know that Jesus said that he must needs go through Samaria. And last week we said that Samaria was, was kind of the capital of the northern kingdoms. The northern, excuse me, not the northern kingdoms, the northern ten tribes of Israel who became apostatized under Jeroboam's reign. And so all the kings of Israel were wicked. They, they counted Samaria as their capital city. And so God is, is interested in restoring all of Israel, including those 10 kingdoms that were backslidden and rebellious. And so Christ says in John 4, I must needs go to Samaria. I, I got to go there. And, and the reason why is because there was a redemption that was available even for Samaria. But, but I want you to understand also this morning that in John 4, devotionally, you have a microcosm of missions in John chapter 4. And, and here's what's really cool. Uh, I, did I put this on the screen? I didn't put it on the screen. Take your Bible real quick and turn to Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Many of you know this verse from discipleship. You've, you've re, re, you know, memorized this verse. You remember this verse, Acts chapter 1 verse 8. This is kind of the... the the verse that we say is the pattern for missions, right? For the New Testament. 
Okay, so this is after Christ's uh, crucifixion and after his resurrection. In verse 8, he says, But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And, and that, that's very specific, right? God gives us an order. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then ultimately to all the Gentile nations. Okay, so now turn to John chapter 2, and I want you to just track Jesus' movement through the early part of John. In John chapter 2 and verse 23, it says, now when he was in where? John chapter 2 and verse 23. He was in where? He was in Jerusalem. Look at John chapter 3 and verse 22. And after these things came Jesus and his disciples into the land of Judea. So it's Jerusalem and then Judea. And now in John chapter 4 and verse 4, it says he must needs go through Samaria. And then in, in John 4 and verse 43, it says after two days, he departed thence and went to where? To Galilee, and, and Matthew 4 and verse 15 tells us that Galilee is Galilee of the Gentiles. And I just want you to see that in John 2, John 3, John 4, you've got a microcosm of missions. Man, that Christ himself went to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then to the Gentiles through his own ministry. And if listen, if Christ did it, listen, he's, he's showing us a pattern of missions. And so, and so what we're learning about in multiplication is really, it's just missions. It's the mission that we're called to do. And so last week we started this story in John chapter four, and many of you have read this story, you've studied this story, and, 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 and this is an amazing passage concerning this Samaritan woman, but I want you to understand it's even bigger than that. It's even bigger than this Samaritan woman. And so last week we looked at Christ settling the issue of priority in his own life, verse 4, because he says he must needs go through Samaria. It was something that he had to do, and, and Christ crossed the boundaries of geography. He, he went from, from Judea through Samaria into Galilee, and we talked about the importance last week that if God's going to use us to reach others, we got to go, right? We have to go beyond whatever our current geography is for some of us. Our garage door is our greatest enemy, because many times we don't get past that to meet other people and have the opportunity to share the gospel. And, and when Christ met this woman, remember from last week, he met her at a well. He met her in the course of everyday life. The only thing that was a little obscure about it was when he met her there. Does anybody remember when he met her there? Six hour, 12 o'clock, high noon. And, and we looked at Genesis 24 and we said, man, listen, the Bible tells us that women usually go get water in the evening. Why was this woman at the well at midday, at high noon, in the, in the, the hottest part of the day? Well, we know that, that she had a reputation. She, she had some, some baggage, so to speak. And yet Christ met her at that well cordially. It was a cultural exchange. Hey, can you give me to drink? That was very appropriate in the Bible, for, for, for a man to approach someone at a well and ask for a drink. And then she begins the conversation with him, and, and the, the conversation turns into Jews versus Samaritans. It turns into what you think about worship versus what I think. This is Jacob's well, and, and Jacob is our father, and it gets into some weird conversation. And yet Christ dealt with all of that confrontation appropriately. 
He didn't, he didn't blow up at her. He didn't, he didn't rebuke her. He, he dealt with it calmly and correctly. And while he's doing that, he gives her the offer of living water. Like you're here looking for water, but what you really need is the living water. And he, he gives her the opportunity to receive a gift, and she's interested. And the one thing that she has to come to, term, has to, come to term with before she can receive that living water is her sin. Because he tells her, hey, okay, go call thy husband and come hither, right? She wanted the living water. And he said, okay, we're going to have to deal with one issue before you can receive that. And that's your sin before a holy God. And, 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 she, and she says, hey, Ellison, I don't have a husband. And we read the passage last week. We'll read it again today. Christ says, yeah, you're right. You don't have a husband. You've actually had five husbands. And the one that you have now is not your husband. And so Christ deals with her issue. And by the way, she didn't need an exhaustive exegesis on what marriage was and was not. She knew that what he was saying was right. And she knew that how she was living was wrong. Does that make sense? And so Christ dealt with her sin and he counsels her with compassion because he gave her the offer of this living water. And so last week really was an emphasis for us on evangelism. That's what evangelism should look like, and that's what evangelism looked like in your life if you came to Christ. In some form or fashion, someone settled the issue of priority and brought the gospel to you, whether that was in a church service, whether that was through a personal evangelism encounter, whether that was someone knocking on your door, someone leaving a tract that you picked up and read and got saved. Somebody was intentional to get the gospel to you. It wasn't an accident. And, and so... And so we want to, to follow that model, both as a church, as an individual Christians, that we have to make evangelism a priority. We have to make evangelism a priority, and we have to trust God to connect with people in the course of life. And I, I'm not against, man, visitation on Tuesday night or Monday night or whatever churches do, but I'm also, I'm also for us meeting people in the course of life, meeting people at the well, meeting people at work, meeting people in our neighborhood that need to know Christ. And so, and, so, and so listen, last week we really emphasized evangelism. This week, we're going we're gonna to look at this story again, and we're going to see what we need to do after we have encountered Christ personally. And, and, and the answer is we need to multiply ministry, okay? So, so look at John chapter 4, verse 27. We got it on the screen, verse, verses 27 to 30. Let me read this, and I'll pray and then we'll get right into the message this morning. So it says in verse 27, And upon this, and the this is the previous verses, where Christ was engaging in conversation with a Samaritan woman. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, uh, What seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pot, and went her way into the city, and saith to the men, Come, see a man which told me all things that I ever did. Is not this the Christ? And they went out of the city and came unto him. Let's pray together. Father, we need you this morning. I pray, uh, Lord, as we study, give us wisdom. Lord, help us to learn your word today. May your Holy Spirit teach us. And God, thank you. Thank you for the power of transformation through Jesus Christ. Thank you for the purpose that you give us once we know you as Lord and Savior. God, teach us this morning through this woman and motivate us to be more like you and more like her. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. 
All right, so we're going to work through this passage this morning, but I'm really excited about it. Here's what I, I'm really excited about. This first point is awesome because here's what I know about you and here's what I know about me. Transformed lives are marvelous to behold. And, and you need to see the picture, man. The disciples had went into, into the city to get meat. So they missed the entire conversation that Christ had with this Samaritan woman. But when they came back, the Bible says, upon this came his disciples. Like they showed up late to the party, and here's this Samaritan woman talking to this Jewish man over the context of living water. That's what they showed up. That's what they showed up. That was the scene that they showed up. And listen, when they saw him talking to her and they saw her talking to him, the Bible says they marveled. Why? Well, because culturally, those two groups of people were divided. The Samaritan and the Jews were divided. And, and listen, that woman had a history. She had baggage. She had a sinful life. Christ is the Savior. He's sinless. He's perfect. She was religious. He was right. <laughs> Man, there were so many things that, that put those two different people in opposite ends of the spectrum. And yet, through, through Christ and his willingness to offer a free gift, there's reconciliation. And, and can I just tell you, that listen, when God restores and redeems and saves lost people, and again, we're looking at this from a devotional standpoint, man, it is a marvelous thing. That word marvel means literally to wonder at. And when they rolled up on the situation and saw the conversation, they marveled so much they didn't even ask a question. They probably were scared to. Like, what's going on? Man, Christ can change our life and Christ can use changed lives to change other people's lives. And listen, this woman, no doubt in your blank, she had a reputation. She had a reputation. Verse 18, for thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband, and that thou truly hast said. Yeah, she was playing house, man. It wasn't her husband. But listen, she had a reputation, but now she came to Christ. And listen, here's the great thing that God can do in your life in my life. Now she has a testimony. Her life has been changed. Her life has absolutely been changed. And listen, when other people see that, well, it's marvelous. It, it makes people wonder, why are you different? What happened in your life? I mean, that's what happens when you truly come to Christ. When you truly meet the Son of God and believe His Word, your life is radically transformed, not because of what you do different, but because of what He does different in you. And that brings about a marvelous transformation. Mark chapter 9, excuse me, Matthew chapter 9, there's other examples. When people met Christ, listen, they were radically transformed. Matthew 9 verse 32, this is the, the, the story of the man possessed with the devil. It says, as they went out, behold, they, they brought to him a dumb man possessed with a devil. And when, he cast the devil, when the devil was cast out, the dumb spake, and the multitudes marveled, saying, it was never so seen in Israel. I mean, Christ is able to take the most broken, wicked, sinful, demon-possessed person and put in them a right mind and a clean spirit. And when that happens, there is a marveling that takes place because of the work of Christ. Mark chapter 5, verses 18 and 20, the man at the Gadarenes with the unclean spirit, it says in verse 18, when he was coming to the ship, 
He that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed, and he began to publish and to capitalize how great things Jesus had done for him. And all, did, all men did marvel. And man, listen, when I read that story, it's like looking in a mirror because I find myself looking at my own life and looking at the wretch that I was and the sin that I was in and the bondage that I was in. And I marveled that even Christ would talk to a sinner like me. And God not only talked to me, but he transformed me. He confronted me. He convicted me. He had compassion on me. And then he converted me through his, his son and through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm thankful for what he has done. And listen, that ought to have an outworking in my life. The people that knew me before I got saved saw a transformation. And it wasn't because I tried harder or tried to become religious or tried to do something different. It was because of Christ in me. He gets the glory. And listen, we ought to expect people to, to meet Christ and then to be transformed. We ought to have testimony after testimony of marvelous transformation in this place. And we ought to expect as we take the gospel out for God to miraculously transform other people's lives. Man, Man, what a marvelous thing to behold. And again, we, we, we talk about missions all the time. We talk about people in the deepest, dark parts of Africa and Hungary and, and, and all the different places where we have missionaries. And we, we see those testimonies and we think, man, that's marvelous that God would take a witch doctor and bring him to an understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, God brings just as wicked of a sinner in Huntsville, Alabama to the realization of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is a marvelous thing to behold. And so, man, thank God for his grace. Thank God for his ability to transform our lives. We ought to expect that. I mean, we, even those disciples, they didn't know what to do with it. They didn't even ask a question. They saw it, and they marveled, maybe out of disbelief and doubt. Man, God's able to radically transform our life. He does something marvelous when, he comes to Christ, when we come to Christ. And not only will God transform your life, but then he'll do something even more marvelous. He'll use you to reach other people with the gospel, just like we're about to see this woman be used. Man, thank God for that, man. It's a marvelous thing to behold. Number two, God transforms lives, and those lives should become missional in their city. Go back to verse 28. So the Bible says in verse 28, okay, the disciples show back up, and, and, and they see the conversation kind of ending. And they marvel at what happened and who he's talking to. And then look at verse 28. It says, The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith unto the men, and we'll pick up the rest of that in just a second, but I want you to understand that what happens to this woman is not only is her life changed, but she becomes missional in her city. So here's the key in your notes. Listen, this is very simple. Reached people, reach people. Reached people, reach people. Now let me ask you a question, show of hands, if you have been reached in this place, not, not as in you got saved here, but if you're, you're in this room, 
You've been reached with the gospel. Raise your hand. Leave your hand up. Reached people reach people. Reach people reach people. So this woman became missional. Listen, this woman with history, with baggage, with sin, with reputation. Man, she was a mess. And yet Jesus Christ can take someone like that and, and can move them from a mess to a missionary. That's what he can do. And man, when I look at this room, no offense, we got a lot of messy people. When I look in the mirror every morning, I'm looking at a messy dude. And yet God is able to take a mess and make me missional in the, in the place that God has me, in my city. And so, and so listen, you and I, just like this woman, we were looking, we were searching for something to meet our perceived need. She was looking for water, and yet she came face to face with Christ, and he offered her living water. She didn't even know what she needed. And then she found what she didn't even know she needed, and it was, it was a transformation in her life. She was forgiven, she was redeemed, and now she becomes missional. She got her priorities right. We talked about that last week. It's very interesting. Jesus said, I must needs go through Samaria. She, after coming face to face with Christ, must needs to go back to her city. She didn't flee her city. She didn't go to another city. She went to her city. Reached people, reach people. And so let me give you 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and I know many of you know this, but, but the question is, do we live this by faith? Look at verse 17 through 19. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 19. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. God didn't make you better. He made you different when you came to Christ. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. Thank God for his marvelous work. Thank God. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. So God saved you. He made you something different. He gave you something. He gave you the ministry. Well, I didn't ask for the ministry. He didn't ask if you wanted it. <laughs> he didn't ask if you wanted the ministry. He gave it to you. It was kind of a package deal. You, you got the gospel, you got Christ, you got eternal life and forgiveness, and you got the ministry. It's all or none. So that's what he gave us. Look at verse 19. To wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. Man, we read that passage, we've read it a million times. We need to be reminded, God gave you something when you came to Christ. He gave you the ministry, He gave you the word of reconciliation, the gospel of Jesus Christ. You and I are ambassadors. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. So here's what we need to understand. Listen, the reconciled, in other words, the reached, everybody that raised their hand, you have been recruited to reach others. Say, man, that, that makes me nervous, that makes me anxious, that I don't like other people. I get it, man. All those, I get it. I'm all those things. Yeah. And whatever you think you are, I'm ten times worse. Trust me. It doesn't matter. There's some things that you don't need to pray about. And being a witness and sharing the gospel is something that's been clearly spelled out in God's word. And no offense, you don't need to pray about it. You just need to do it. 
You need to be an ambassador for Christ. You need to trust God enough to use you to beseech other people to be saved. That's what she did. And so, and so it's interesting, and as we, I know this is simple, right? But, but that doesn't mean that we're obedient. We need to add to our faith virtue, not knowledge. Because the knowledge of this doesn't help any of us if we don't exercise it. And so, and so as we look at this woman's life, there's some key things and key questions that we have to ask ourselves that we pull from her own life. Number one, here's the, here's the first question. What are you willing to leave so that you can go? What are you willing to leave so that you can go? And if we go back to the passage, the Bible says that she left her water pot. It was the thing that she thought would give her sustenance the thing that she thought would give her purpose and fulfillment and provision. Listen, the water pot was the thing that she thought she needed, right? I mean, that's why she went to the well. She went to the well with the water pot to get the water from Jacob's well that she thought she needed to fulfill her. And yet, when she met Christ and she, and she received the living water, can I just tell you? She realized that that water pot was not what she needed. What she needed was Christ. And so she was willing to walk away from her water pot so that she could go back into the city and be missional. Man, she left that water pot, what she was searching for to satisfy her, what she thought would quench her thirst. And it manifested in a physical need, but, but, but it revealed a spiritual reality that what she really needed was Christ. And can I just tell you, man, listen, some of us still struggle. We've met Christ, we know we're saved, but we somehow think we're still getting satisfaction from a water pot. And there's something that God has put in your life to do, the mission. And when you've met Him, the water pot can't satisfy you, it can't sustain you, it can't be your joy any longer. And whatever that thing is, man, your golf game, your fishing hobbies, your, 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 your Toyotas, man, stop, Jay. Okay, so listen, those things can't be the thing that give you satisfaction. The mission has to satisfy you. Christ has to satisfy you. And this woman was willing to leave something that was important to her so that she could go and do what God called her to do. And I think, I think in, a, in our city and in our church and in our individual lives, there are things that we're just not willing to walk away from. And because we're not willing to walk away from those things, we never fully commit to the mission that God's called us to do. And there ought to be some water pots left with Christ so that we can walk away with His living water and be obedient to the commission. Does that make sense? You guys are okay with that? And man, God challenged me with that. I was like, man, okay, there's some things I still hold close to in my life. And, and man, those things may become a burden and they may ensnare me so that I can't go and do what God's called me to do. Number two, where are we willing to go for Christ's sake? Where are we willing to go for Christ's sake? So number one, we got to consider what we're going to leave. 
Number two, we got to consider where we're willing to go for Christ's sake. And listen, she went her way into the city, back to where she was shamed, had sinned, where she had the reputation, but also where others were that needed to hear Christ. She recognized that she now had a mission field and a ministry. She went back into her city, and, and, and man, we don't have time, but, but can I just tell you that when you study the word city or cities in the Bible, and especially through the book of Acts, you have 44 verses with 48 mentions of city or cities. And, and, and the book of Acts is really important, and we're studying that right now for our Zambia trip because that's what we're going to be teaching. At least the men are going to be preaching through the book of Acts. And that is the, the Acts of the Apostle, it, it, the, the Acts of the Apostles. It's the book that bridges the Old Testament Gospels to the New Testament church and Pauline epistles. It's how the gospel spread after Christ's ascension. And let me tell you how it spread through the book of Acts. It spread through cities. And, and, and I know you're not feeling me right now, but maybe you'll feel Alan Shelby, because Pastor Alan Shelby says the smallest measure of ministry success is a city. And if, if we can't reach a city, how are we going to reach the world? And some of us need to have a, a heart for our city because God has called us to reach it. And listen, that's where she went. She went back into her city. I'm not saying you can't go into villages and, and smaller areas. Listen, we, we have missionaries that they, they have village ministry. And, and listen, all that is legitimate and important. By the way, village only shows up one time in the book of Acts. The villages of Samaria, Acts chapter 8 and verse 20, 25. But 48 times cities show up because God wants us to reach the city. You say, we don't have enough room in this place for the whole city. Well, then, well, then we need other churches in the city, don't we? I mean, it, it, it bothers me. And again, man, there's a lot of things that bother me. If you, if you know me personally, you know that almost everything bothers me. Man, you guys are wound tight today. It's okay. It's okay. Huh? You didn't want to bother me, yeah. Your silence is bothering me. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. It is interesting, right? I mean, we have a lot of churches in Huntsville. Okay. Uh, ask yourself this question. How many people accidentally witnessed to you with the gospel this week? Raise your hand if someone who didn't know you, didn't know anything about you, didn't know that you were an awesome member of Community Fellowship Baptist Church, they didn't know anything about you. How many of them witnessed to you this week? Raise your hand if somebody attempted to share the gospel with you this week. Mm. And we got a lot of churches in Huntsville. The question is, do we have missional churches in Huntsville? Do we have missional churches that care about reaching our city with the gospel of Jesus Christ? And can I just tell all of us, and myself included, if we're not willing to go into the city... How in the world are we going to go to Zambia, Africa? How are we going to reach the world if we can't even attempt to reach our city? We need to get serious about the mission that we have right here in Huntsville, Alabama. What are we willing to leave and where are we willing to go? Man, you don't even have to learn a different language. And we got really good coffee here. So, man, you got the two things you need, man. English and coffee. Like... Go do it. 
I'm joking. You got the Holy Spirit in the Bible. So go do it. Let's go do it together because that's what God's called us to. And then, and then number three, check this out. This is really cool. Here's the question. Who are you willing to engage with the gospel? I mean, you got you to find somebody to preach it to, to share it with. So look what it says in the passage. Go back to John 4. The Bible says that she saith to the men. I find that very interesting. The reason I find that interesting is because this woman had a reputation with the men. At least six of them. Five of them used to be her husband, and the one that she was with wasn't her husband. And so, and so whoever she should have or could have talked to, man, the greatest, the, the first people that she talked to was the men of the city. And, and listen, the greatest people that you can be missional to are the ones that you have connections with right after you come to Christ. And can I just tell you, can I just tell you that the, the circle of lost people in your life, unless you're intentional, only gets smaller and smaller and smaller the longer you've been a, 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 a Christ follower. It, it gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And listen, she had that reputation, right? She had five husbands, and, and Christ says the one you have now is not your husband. And so the, the people that she goes back to immediately are the men. And yeah, maybe the men and the women, but it is interesting that she went back to her city and she said to the men, hey, uh, you, need to come, you need to come hear this guy I met because he told me everything I ever done. You need to come hear him. And so, and so her invitation to the men of the city was, come and see. Man, just come and see. Come and see this dude that, that told me everything about me. He offered this gift of living water. Just come and see. All she could do was invite them the opportunity to meet Christ. That's all she could do. She couldn't save them. She couldn't, she couldn't somehow you know, convict them or draw them. All she could do was give them an invitation. Can I tell you that that's a consistent theme, theme through the Bible? That, that, man, we are tasked to just give the invitation to come and see. John chapter 1, 43 through 46. Check this out. This is really cool. Day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip. And he saith unto him, follow me. Now, Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth Nathanael and said to him, we found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, I mean, he's the consummate skeptic. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, well, just come and see. I mean, just come and see. I mean, I mean, listen, I've shared with you that this is the fulfillment of Moses and the law and the prophets. It's Christ. It's Jesus. And Nathaniel's kind of like, eh, I don't know. Eh, I don't know. Whatever. Well, all he did was say, listen, will you just come and see? That's the invitation. And can I just tell you, when you come and see and you meet Christ, the immediate response is to go and tell. It's come and see, and then it's go and tell. It's come and see, and then it's go and tell. What do I tell other people to do? You tell them to come and see. And if they meet Christ, and they receive forgiveness of their sin, and God radically transforms their life, well, then they just need to go and tell. And they need to invite others to come and see. Listen, that's all it is. That's so simple. That's all it is. 
Who are you willing to talk to? And, and listen, if you're, if you're taking digital notes this morning, you've got a little section there in your, your digital notes where and you can put some names down. Because there's people that you need to give the official invite. Listen, invite them to church. I'm, I'm thankful that you invite people to church, really, truly. But, but let's invite them to meet Christ. Let's, let's invite them to the gospel. Because listen, people can come to church, and they do. But man, if we never engage them with who Christ is, we failed. It's not about our church. It's not about events. It's not about the pastors. It's about Christ. Come and see. And then when you, when you meet him, listen, it's your responsibility to go and tell. I kind of wonder if some of the breakdown in our, in our evangelistic efforts is the fact that we've never personally ever actually came and, and saw Christ. Like we saw the church, we saw the Baptist church, we saw religion, we got locked into a personality of a preacher or a style of ministry or a style of music, and maybe we never actually personally came to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And, and, and listen, I'm not trying to talk you out of your salvation. But if you can't remember a time and a place and an understanding where you recognized your sin before a holy God and your inability to save yourself, then you need to come to Christ. You need to come and see a man that will tell you all that you ever did and that's able to offer you living water, a gift of eternal life. Okay, okay, come and see, and then go and tell. Okay, and, and man, we need about another hour, but you didn't pack a lunch, so we got to go quick. Number three, man, let me, let's just work through the passage here. Verse 30 says, they went out of the city and they came unto him. And so, man, this, 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 this woman was able to multiply herself into many. Transform lives, multiply into many. So one went into the city. And by the way, it wasn't Christ. It was the woman. And, and she goes into the city and she gives the invitation, come and see. And man, listen, in the very next verse, it says, out of that city, they went and they came unto him. One goes in, many comes out, and that's nothing more than multiplication. And can I just tell you that one person yielded to Christ's mission, being empowered by the Spirit of God, one person God can use to bring many to the person of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 39. It says, many of the Samaritans on that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans were coming to him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode there two days. And, and so listen, again, we're just taking this one practical point. She goes into the city, and she comes out with many. That's multiplication. That's ministry multiplication. Here's the question. Who have you multiplied the life of Christ into? And you ought to have some names for that, not some nebulous, random, oh, well, these people... I work with people and I'm nice to them. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is multiplying the life of Christ into someone else. I'm not talking about taking someone through 18 lessons of discipleship. Now, you're going to need to anoint your ears with ear salve right now. But truthfully, we've had people that go through 18 lessons of discipleship and are no more Christ-like than when they began. You didn't get it. Listen, 
You don't assemble anymore with this body than you did before you started discipleship. You don't pray any more biblically or fervently than you did before discipleship. You don't serve. You don't witness. And yet somehow you think you're a disciple of Christ. The life of Christ has not been multiplied into you. Brother. Sister. You, you got knowledge without virtue. The Bible says, add to your faith virtue. And to virtue, you add knowledge. And some of you have spent some time in, in 2 Peter. You see, you see, the problem is in our church, and we have some problems. The problem is in our church is that what we're multiplying in other people is not necessarily the life of Christ. It may be a denominational preference. It may be a personality of a pastor or a discipler. But the life of Christ is, is, strangely enough, not necessarily being multiplied in the lives of our church in the discipleship process because what we don't have is multiplied ministry. And you take offense to that. I'm not trying to offend you. I'm trying to exhort you and admonish you. You need to examine what you've become. And if you've become a disciple of Jay or Cody, or you've become a disciple of Community Fellowship Baptist Church, but you've not become a disciple of Jesus Christ, you missed it. And, and maybe that's our fault. Or maybe it's your fault. But we've missed it. This woman was able to multiply her life into many. And by the way, all of those people came with a desire to hear from Christ. I mean, I'm telling you, listen, when, when people, I'm just, when people go through a discipleship process and have no desire to hear Christ's words, you didn't get it. I don't care how many lessons you went through. I don't care how many Bible verses you can quote on baptism or eternal life. When there is not a desire to be with Christ, you didn't get it. You're not a disciple of Christ. And we want you to be. But you have to add to your faith virtue. A willingness to do and to surrender and to submit to the things of God as you learn them. And truthfully, I'm just kind of tired <laughs> of making disciples of everything else but Christ. So this woman multiplied her life into many. Number four. And here's what we see from their transformed lives. And this is what we see from her transformed life. These transformed lives magnify the message. And if you, if you will, just pick it up in verse 39 because we have to hurry. You're not listening fast enough this morning. It says, many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified, he told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans were coming to him, they besought him that, they would, that he would tarry with them, and he abode there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. There it is. And, he said, and they said to the woman, Now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and know that this indeed is the Christ, the Savior of the world. Okay, so here's, here's the, the, the thing that you can't miss out of this passage. 
The most important thing in this story is not the woman's testimony. The most important thing in the story is Christ's words. And so get this key in your notes. Our testimony is the bridge to connect people to the gospel. And you need to learn how to share your testimony. But your testimony is just a bridge to get people to the gospel. The first question is, do you have one? Two people have one. Do you have one? Do you have a testimony? Okay, listen. Your testimony, <laughs> I'm a little concerned. Maybe you're still mad about the discipleship stuff. It's okay. If you have a testimony, it's okay. Yeah, it's fine. It doesn't matter. Whatever. But listen, your testimony is not the gospel. So your testimony is good, but it's not the gospel. Share your story, but connect your story to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Your testimony is not the gospel. Your testimony can't save anyone. But Jesus Christ can. And the gospel of Jesus Christ can. So this woman goes into her city and she testified of what she personally experienced with Christ. What she said was, this dude read my email. He called out everything that I had ever done. Listen, that testimony couldn't save the Samaritans, just like your testimony can't save anybody. But what it can do is connect your story and that person that you're telling it to back to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, Paul says, for it is the power of God unto what? Salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. You see, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God. The gospel of Jesus Christ is what brings us into salvation, if you'll believe it. And our testimony needs to be the bridge to get people from what Christ has done in our life to what Christ can do in their life through the gospel. And so if you have a testimony, the second question is, can you share the gospel? Don't raise your hand. And if you can't, why aren't you signed up on Friday night? I'm not joking right now. I'm really asking. Like, why, why, why would we not come to learn the very thing that God has left us to do? We, we, we have to get past this religious expectation that we have as Christians. That just we're comfortable coming to church singing songs and dropping some money in the offering plate. And man, I'm not going to do anything else that God has called me to do until I die and then I see Jesus and it'll be all happy kumbaya in heaven and I'll have my harp and my cloud. and Bro, we're kind of missing it, right? We're missing it. And, 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 so, and so listen, we have to connect our testimony back to the gospel of Jesus Christ because my testimony won't do anything other than just expose what Christ did in my life. It's my story. And I'm thankful for that. But people need to hear the gospel. God can use my story to connect the dots. Okay, number two, the second key is this. When we do that, we become co-laborers with Christ. We become co-laborers with Christ. And so listen, we need to learn to share our testimony, but not stop there. Man, our job is to share what Christ has done, but we need to introduce people to Christ's words. So she shares her testimony, but man, she brings those men of the city to hear his words. You see, you see, verse 41 says, Many more believe because of 
His own word. They say, listen, we believe because we've heard him ourselves. That's what we have to connect people to. We have to connect people to the words of Christ. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Check this out, man. You become a co-laborer with Christ when you share your testimony and you bring people to the word of God. Look at 1 Corinthians 3, verse 4. It says, for one saith, I'm of Paul, and another, I'm of Apollos. This is the Corinthian church, and they were super carnal. And he says, are you not carnal? Who then is Paul? Well, he's the greatest Christian that ever lived. Well, if you told that to Paul, he'd probably kick you in the shin. Seriously, he didn't think that of himself. I think he said he was the chief of sinners. That's how he, that's how he viewed himself. So, so who then is Paul? Who is Apollos? But ministers by whom ye believed, as the Lord gave to every man. I planted, Apollos watered, but who gave the increase? God gives the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. Every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. Here it is, verse 9. But we are laborers together with, with God. God's husbandry, you're God's building. And I just want to make the point, when you take the mission seriously, all you're doing is joining in the labor that God is already doing. The things you walk away from, the places you go to, and the people that you connect with, well, that's all part of God's labor that he's already working. You're just getting in line with his labor. And so we become co-laborers with Christ. And then the last key is this, we, we must connect people to God's word. We must connect people with God's word. We Use our testimony to connect people back to the authority of God's word. Listen, she brought people to hear the incarnate word of God, Jesus Christ, right? We should bring people through our testimony to hear the inscripturated word of God. It's that simple. And, and by the way, in order to do that, you need to know it. And I get it, man. The, the normal Christian response, and again, man, I'm just, I'm not mad. Well, maybe, but man, the normal response is, well, I'll just invite that person to church. And I'm really hoping that Jay, Jay shares the gospel this week. I'm really hoping that Cody shares the gospel this week. And listen, prayerfully we will. But Sunday's not the only day that people need to hear the word of God. And 7905 Logan Drive is not the only place where people can hear the Word of God. We have to connect it to them wherever they are. And that means we need to be good stewards of God's Word. Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Your testimony, my testimony, has to bridge back to the authority of God's Word. It's the Word of God that brings about faith. 1 Peter 1 and verse 23 says it's the word of God that gives us the ability to be born again. And, and 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, it's the word of God that ought to be received as it is in truth, the word of God. So new life, faith, and the effectual working only comes through the word of God. So we have to connect people to that. Man. Without that peace, we have a testimony with no transformation. Because my testimony can't do anything for you other than point you to the person of Christ. 
And if I can't open the Bible and show you who he is, you're going to hear a really cool story that you may get emotional about because, hey, Jay was a really wicked piece of trash. God saved him. God transformed him. And now God uses him in a certain way. Okay, whatever. That's fine. But you'll never connect how that matters in your life. I don't open this book. Man, when I came to Christ, it was because my best friend in college got right with God. God transformed his life. I marveled at the transformation. And man, when he began witnessing to me, he opened this book. And this book is what helped me understood and understand that I could be saved as well. It came from the word of God. Okay, let's go. Let's get finished. Number five. Transformed lives are moved by Christ's presence. And this is the last point. Look at verse 40. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode there two days. And so the first blank in your notes is the tarrying. Man, there was a desire that Christ's presence would stay, that it would abide, that it would continue and lodge there. Can I just tell you that truly transformed people have a desire to be with the Lord. They have a desire to be with Christ's body. And again, man, if you're offended, you'll only get more offended before this is over with. But, but some people, man, they can't wait for the service to be over. They can't wait to hit the door running because you think the presence of God runs on your schedule from 10 o'clock to 11.15. We're already past it, by the way. And it, it, and, it, and it makes me wonder, man, people that don't want to tarry with Christ's body, it makes me wonder if there's really been transformation in their life. You know, our deacons sometimes get a little flustered. They're like, man, some people just ain't going to leave. Like, like y'all just, some of y'all just hang around. Well, I think there's a, a biblical doctrine of fellowship that's right. And so look, man, tell your deacon to take a hike or tell him to lock the door and leave. Like, like you know, the alarm, like, like jokingly say, hey, Jay said I could tell you to take a hike. Only in the context of staying at church after it's over. Okay, if there's another issue, don't tell them to take a hike because then I'm going to have to come talk to you. You're going to use my words against me and then we're going to have a problem. Okay, so, but listen, can can I tell you that Samaritans, they wanted Christ's presence to stay. They desired him to tarry. They desired him to abide there. And listen, man, you're not going to sit physically with Christ's body personally, literally. What you are going to sit with is his spiritual body, his church. And that ought to be something that you desire. It ought to be something that you you value, that you want to continue, that, oh my goodness, if we go past 1130, it's actually okay. Because it's the body of believers. We're tearing with the body of Christ. And then lastly, the time frame. The Bible says in verse 43 that Christ stayed there for two days. And after two days, he departed and he went to Galilee. And, And again, what you have in John chapter 4 is a microcosm of mission. Christ's body stayed in Samaria for two days, and then it left. And those of you that are students of the Bible, you know that there's this, not obscure, but, but important verse in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8, where Peter says, Beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. And, and, and the context of that is a day with the Lord. And, and the Samaritans had two days with the Lord, with his body. And so, man, there, God gives you kind of a neat little overview of all of history. There's only 2,000 years of church history where we have the opportunity to do what God's called us to do. 
And so, you know, on the slide, man, your Old Testament history takes up 4,000 years. That's, that's four days in God's week. And the church age takes up 2,000 years, and that's two days in God's week. And we have this thing called the millennium that's coming very, very soon in the book of Revelation. And that's 1,000 years, and that takes up one day. And listen, the total of that is seven days. And that's it. And I don't know if you're paying attention to the calendar. We're in like 2023. Which means, after two days, Jesus' body is going to depart. And for you and I, the opportunity to get serious and busy about the mission will be over. And so listen, man, don't, don't if, if I can just plead, don't be the dude that blows it right at the end. And don't be the... Uh, uh, or lady, whatever. All the guys are like, wait, why are you pointing at me? Don't be the one that just checks out and sits and waits and does nothing when God's given you two days to work. We're right at the end of that. We are, we are in the last hours and the last minutes of the last days. The church age is going to be over soon. And man, what a shame it would be to have an eternity of regret because we never got serious about the mission. So in closing, listen, reach, reach people, reach people. Some of us need to consider what we need to leave so that we can go. The truth is, some of us may need to come and lay our water pots at Jesus' feet. The thing that you think gives you satisfaction and provision and sustenance, it won't. But Christ will. And can I just tell you, listen, if you don't leave your water pot, you're never going to be free to go back and do what God's called you to do. Who are you going to go and talk to and engage with the gospel? Where are you willing to go for Christ's sake? Man, I hope you have a greater burden for this city based on what you've heard this morning. Let's pray together. Father, we need you this morning, God. I, I'm... I want to be first, first in line, Lord, to, to own that there, there's definitely things in my life, water pots, that truthfully need to be left. God, there's a, there's a city that needs to be reached. I mean, the, the greatest thing I have is a testimony, but then also your word. That, that's all I've got. God, you've shown me through John 4 that that's enough, that's suitable, that's sufficient I'd just be willing to trust you enough to take that to a city that needs Christ. You can use that for your glory. Father, for our church, we want to be a humble people before your word. God, some of us may have some water pots that, that God, even after we've met you and we've received the living water, God, there's still some weird satisfaction that we get from the old carnal water pot. And the truth is, that is the thing that actually becomes the source of our provision and satisfaction when you offer so much more. Even in the passage, you said, Jesus, that your meat was to do the will of him that sent you. Help it to be our meat. Father, we need you. God, as we consider these things, as we humble ourselves before your word, whatever issue we need to resolve in our heart and life, may we do it with integrity before you. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, listen.